so, uh, so first I'd like to thank Daniel and Isabella for inviting me and all of you for coming. I've been working on my dissertation for two plus years now and haven't had an opportunity to discuss my research in a while. So this is a very welcome opportunity. Uh, so just one quick note about the title. I changed it slightly after I had originally talked to Daniel. I'm using the term construction rather than creation after Catherine Bell's use of the term traditionalization to indicate the process of constructing a tradition. And the reason this is important will become clear later on. So let's dive in. So the focus of my dissertation is the early history of Gandan Monastery and its impact on the construction of the Gaelic tradition. So just to orient ourselves a bit, it was founded in 1409 following the inaugural Munlam Chenmo or Great Prayer Festival, some 40 kilometers northeast of Hlasa. It's It was the first monastery of Tsongkhapa's nascent religious tradition and thus the mother of all Gelugpa monasteries. Its construction was overseen by his two senior disciples, Geltsab Dharma Rinchen and Dulcin Drakpa Geltsin. And the primary patrons were members of the Pakmadrupa nobility, most notably uh, Gongma Drakpa Geltsin. So prophecy is a broad category within Tibetan religion. They are articulated in a wide range of cultural contexts, address a wide range of topics and have a wide range of functions. So in Tibetan, it's Lungtan and Sanskrit Vyakarana. So the speaker, I mean, and these are sort of general kinds of observations, not necessarily definitions, but uh, the speaker is going to be an, an exalted religious figure. This could be a Buddha, Bodhisattva, protector, uh, some sort of revered Tibetan figure of the past or present. And obviously uh, those categories are diffuse. There's a lot of overlap or uh, ambiguity. And as Janet Gyatso has argued, since prophecies are attributed to the Buddha or uh, such exalted figures as these, they are considered ipso facto genuine. The recipient is also gonna be an exalted religious figure or someone close to them. That could be someone like Tsongkhapa's parents receiving uh, visions prior to his birth. The topics, uh, we might think that prophecy tends to concern only the future, but that's not the case. They can also relate to the past or present. And obviously this is kind of broad. I mean, it basically indicates everything that exists, um, so, but often the past is described in terms of the way it impacts the present or will impact the future. So just uh, to take some examples, questions might involve where was Tsongkhapa born in past lives or uh, the time of his appearance, his place of birth, his monastic abode, his name and his biographical activities, or how he might benefit beings in future lives. Uh, the context in which prophecies can occur, uh, they can be in person, they can be in visions or in dreams. And obviously here again, there's a lot of overlap between prophecies and dreams or visions or omens or divinations. So if the question is why differentiate prophecy, uh, essentially what separates prophecy as a category in, the, in this study is the way they are treated by Gelugpa historians being viewed as significant and authoritative enough to be worthy of separate discussion. As we see here from a, a modern text, chapter one was concerning how this denso was prophesied by the teacher of the Buddha. And then the function, I mean, obviously this is a very general statement, but prophecy functions as a form of legitimation. 
So prophecy is used to grant authenticity and authority to specific persons, teachings, or lineages. And as such, it is often used for political and polemical purposes. So in terms of the sources for this study, uh, there's a series of works related to Hlodrak Namka Gjeltsin, which I'll talk about later. I looked at individual biographical works, uh, a number of biographies of Tsongkhapa by these figures and a couple by uh, focused on Kedribje. And I chose to focus on earlier biographies of Tsongkhapa rather than later ones, as that's the period I'm more focused on. And then a number of broader religious histories or histories of lineages or catalogs of Ganden. Um, and these range roughly from the end of the 15th century to a work published in 2011, covering some 500 years. And there's several luminaries of the Gaelic tradition covered. So then what uh, are the textual sources of Gaelic prophecy, the text that prophecies are drawn from? I mean, first we have uh, what I call direct prophecies. So these are prophecies received from Manjushri by Umapad Sundru Senge, and Tokten Jampal Gyatso and found in various biographies of Tsongkhapa. And we have those received from Vajrapani by Hlodrak Namka Gyeltsen and found in various texts in his collected works. So this is the earliest stratum of Gelugpa prophecy and they occur, they tend to occur naturally within the biographical narrative. So when, you know, a certain event arises, that's when the prophecy will come. Uh, they're not structured and organized and separated like they are uh, like in that modern work I just mentioned. And these are going to be the main focus of my presentation today. Uh, but just to give a sense of what else is out there, we have uh, these putatively canonical sources. Um, and the reason I put putatively in brackets is that obviously the first two works here, the Prajnaparamita Sutra and Manjushri Mula Tantra, are canonical works. Um, but the lower two works the Sutra of the Questions of the Goddess Vimala and the King of Imparted Instruction Sutra are themselves not found in the Tibetan canon. And also this, the citation from the Lankavatara, Chinese edition of the Lankavatara is not found in the canon. So Desi Sangye Gyatso actually himself also questioned the authenticity of these prophecies as a result. Uh, there's also a number of prophecies drawn from, whoops what I call authoritative Tibetan works of figures. So the Pillar Testament of Songsen Gampo, the Chronicle of Padmasambhava, the Book of Kadam, Prophecies by Machik Ladran. Uh, this last text is a little mysterious. So I'll just leave that. And then a number of Nyingma treasure texts, which is interesting, but unfortunately I won't have too much time to discuss today. So one of the most ongoing and significant issues in the Gaelic tradition involves Tsongkhapa's status after he passed away, as indicated here by Kedrubje's Lament, uh, which preceded one of his famous five visions of Tsongkhapa. So there are three alternate narratives found in this early strata of the tradition. So in Khlodrak Namka Gyeltsen's secret biography, Vajrapani says, transmigrating from this life, he will go to the abode of Tashita. As the supreme son of Maitreya, Jampel Nyingpo, he will quickly become a Buddha Tathagata. So here Tsongkhapa is not yet enlightened, but will, will become a Buddha Tathagata in Tashita in his next life. Then according to Tokten Jampel Gyatso's very secret biography of Tsongkhapa, at that time Tsongkhapa received this prophecy from Buddha Indraketu, 
at the border of Zhang and Shar, which is beyond countless Buddha fields, in the field which is called adorned by various arrays of wondrous marvels, you will become enlightened as the Tathagata Senge Ngaro. So here in a past life, Tsongkhapa received a prediction that he would become this Tathagata Senge Ngaro. And then in Kedrup J's biography of Tsongkhapa entered its way of faith. By transforming into the Dharmakaya at death, he manifested the illusory body in the bardo. And there is no doubt that he manifested the final state of the Sambhogakaya, the supreme city in the bardo. So here Tsongkhapa attains enlightenment in the bardos shortly after passing away. And admittedly, this is a description and not a prophecy. However, it does bear on how the tradition understood Tsongkhapa's station. And here I'll just give a sense of how these were expressed in, in the tradition. Uh, I don't think I'll read all of them because they're pretty, uh, they're basically just references, but we can see here a biography by Lekpa Songpo, uh, another one by Jamyang Chuje, the founder of Trepung Monastery, and a praise by Kedrubje. And then likewise for the uh, Senge Ngaro narrative, it's referenced in numerous historical works. So uh, discerning listeners might have noted that Kedrup J has been cited for all three possibilities. This is indeed the case and leads us to the main interpretive strategy of the tradition with regards to this apparent contradiction. So how are these variant narratives interpreted? Generally, uh, they were treated as harmonious and non-contradictory. So Kedrup J states, now, if one wonders if accepting the prophecy that he would become the Bodhisattva named Jampal Nyingpo in Tashida contradicts my saying he became enlightened in the Bardo, it is said Arya Nagarjuna obtained the first stage and departed for Sukhavati. It is also said that he manifested the state of great Vajradhara. Similarly, these two statements are without contradiction as these are ways Nirmanakaya's manifest. And then Desi Sangye Gyatso, Ultimately, he departed to pure land such as Tushita, Sukhavati, Abhirati, and so forth. Notably, in this very life, he did not rely on a mudra as a means to accomplish the supreme city. He arose as a bardo illusory body and manifested the state of a Sambhogakaya. His Nirmanakaya as a person went to Tushita as the conqueror Jampel Nyingpo, Senpel Sergi Dokchen, and so, and so forth. So here, Daisy is making the argument that Tsongkhapa purposefully avoided becoming enlightened in this life because utilizing a consort would have set a bad example for his disciples. And then Karnak Lutsawa, he passed into the Dharmadhatu. In stages, he manifested the result of taking the three kayas as the path. Having done so in his future rebirths, he is showing the Buddha's deeds as the conqueror's child, Jampel Ningpo, the Pandita Gyana, and the conqueror, Senge Ngaro. So here Karnak is incorporating all the variants into a single reading, uh, including this lesser known prophecy from Hlodrak Namka Gyeltsen that he, he would become a Pandita named Gyana in a future life. So as seen here, there are actually more than three, these three narratives articulated. However, not every one of these statements seem to have been significant. Uh, they seem to have been isolated cases that do not seem to recur elsewhere. So Lodra Gyeltsen, has Tokden Jampal Gyatso say that in that way, the Lord Tsongkhapa sports in the world with countless emanations. When he became a Buddha, he appears to have become a Buddha named Yeshe Wangpo. Since each respected Buddha has many names and fields, the Lord also appears to have many names as a Buddha. And then Chidan Rapjur, Tsongkhapa replied, 
I have emanations in many places, such as the celestial realms, Tashita and Jambudvipa. Right now, however, I am on Mount Wutai in China, instructing 800,000 Vajradhara monks on Madhyamaka and the stages of the path in the morning, and on the generation and completion stages of Chakrasambara, Guhya Samaja, and Vajrabhairava in the evening. Pray long and fervently to come here, and before long we will meet again. And then Panchen Sanam Drakpa states that with the countenance of a 16-year-old, the mandala of his face was bathed with thousands of light rays. And as his disciples looked on, he departed instantly into immaculate space. Or elsewhere, Kedrup departed for a Dharma palace in Ketra, where the great Jetsun Tsongkhapa had gone. So what was the impact on the tradition? So as one kind of presentation of this, Jamyang Shepa uh, states, also, according to the words of Gyalwa Gindundrup, I think Jay Rinpoche has not gone away. In accord with such, such statements, the wrathful Manjagosha, Sri Vajrabhairava, had engaged in the display of being a man. So according to this, if Tsongkhapa is an enlightened being, he has not, quote, gone away. Um, in particular, he remains as an, an abiding presence at Ganden in his golden stupa, offering blessings and serving as one of the main attractions for pilgrims and their offerings. So then we have this view of Ganden, uh, thus in accord with how prophecies were made within the ocean of sutras, tantras, and treatises with regard to this great densa. In its outer aspect, it is a solid, solitary abode. In its inner aspect, it is the palace of Guhya Samaja. And in its secret aspect, it is not other than the pure field of array of wondrous marvels. So here, utilizing a common Tibetan trope often found in pilgrimage guides, just as Tsongkhapa appeared as a human being, but was in fact an enlightened being, Ganden Monastery appears as a monastery, but is in fact Tsongkhapa's pure land. And then perhaps corresponding with this view, uh, the sixth Gundan Tripa, Baso Chiki Gelsen, erected a, a wondrous golden statue of the Buddha Senge Ngara. Although it's a little unclear whether this represented an, an homage to Tsongkhapa or simply the Simhanada form of Avalokiteshvara. So in these early biographies, basically early Gaelic figures were facing this problem of working out where their beloved master had gone what he was doing and how they might be able to join him there. And this concern was shared by their Pakmadrupa supporters, such as this one Drung Namka Peljor, who had requested Kedrup to compose the prayer Namda Gangrima. And this prayer is described by Elijah Ari as a prayer for Tsongkhapa's rebirth. In it, the good qualities of the Buddha Senge Ngaro and his pure land are described and it tells us that the way to become enlightened there is to study the Tantra Pitaka and uphold all Tantric practices. And then similarly, as we see here in Chudan Rapture's biography of Kedrup, to be nurtured by myself and Manjushri, the special requirements are the development of and dedication to disenchantment with cyclic existence, altruism, and maintaining a pure view. So here, the solution to the feeling of being bereft of Tsongkhapa is to develop and dedicate yourself to what Tsongkhapa teaches as the three principal aspects of the path. And then elsewhere, according to Tokden's very secret biography, those with best faculties who have no regard for profits or honor, 
understand how to abandon the faults of an unsuitable vessel and are diligent and faithful should practice in accord with the explanations contained in the Sangak Lamrim. Also, if they teach it to others, they will be born in that field. So here, if devotees of Tsongkhapa wish to be born in his pure land, they should practice according to Tsongkhapa's Tantric Lamrim and teach it to others. So the import of all these statements is that the ability to be reunited with Tsongkhapa depends on practicing his core teachings. If there's any utility in thinking of Tsongkhapa as a pure land deity, and to be clear, I'm not suggesting this was a main practice in the tradition, I think it would be thinking of how these statements are clearly designed for those who have the ability and inclination to engage in the rigorous study and practice of the paths of Sutra and Tantra. So as such, unlike uh, other Pure Land traditions, they appear tailored to serious students and practitioners, monastics rather than laity. And then lastly, I would be remiss if I didn't mention one core practice of Tsongkhapa's tradition that requires his connection to Tashida the Lama Tsongkhapa Guru Yoga, known as Ganden Plagyama. Um, but now I'm going to switch gears. So uh, if we return to the prophecies of the Hlodrak mystic, Namka Gyeltsen, which are the earliest prophecies related to Ganden Monastery itself uh, and bear on the location and name chosen for it. So first, just some general information to orient us. He was the scion of a Nyingma family and holder of Kadam lineages, such as Atisha's Jongchub Lamrim, which he transmitted to Tsongkhapa. He was considered a Drupchen or Mahasiddha, who had the ability to communicate directly with Vajrapani or even considered an emanation of Vajrapani himself. And he spent seven months exchanging teachings with Tsongkhapa from 1395 to 1396. So as indicated by the colors here, and apologies if anyone finds them difficult to see, uh, there's a great deal of overlap here between the collected works of these two figures. So in green, we have here uh, this text response to Tsongkhapa's queries, Garland of Supreme Medicinal Nectar, which appears in both figures collected works. Uh, nested under, below that response to Jade Tsongkhapa's queries. It's basically, it's drawn from the above text and it just omits everything that's not related to Tsongkhapa. And then there's this text, How I Met with Jade Tsongkhapa, uh, which in Tsongkhapa's collected works appears as How I Met with the Hlodra Drupjan. So thank with thanks to Olaf Chaya's exhaustive work on the Long Pakmo Drupas, we can orient ourselves somewhat to the historical timeline. So in 1396, the Garland of Supreme Medicinal Nectar is taught orally. In 1399, the Dzongchi uh, Pakma uh, noble Drakpa Rinchen is murdered, or I should say minister, uh, striking off bitter internal warfare in central Tibet. And the secret biography refers to this warfare with the young Pakma ruler, Gongma Drakpa Gyeltsen, asking Namka Gyeltsen to be his lama and for help to pacify the insurgent armies. And as Chaya writes, Quote, severe fighting broke out and became a real threat for the Pakmadrupa administration, especially as several high-ranking officials were siding with the party of the murdered Zongji. It was the first major challenge for Drakpa Gyeltsen, and he fully mastered it, thus establishing himself as the undisputed ruler of the Long Pakmadrupa. And one way this was accomplished is that Namka Gyeltsen stated that the Buddhist teachings depended on the Gongma, and he and Tsongkhapa engaged in rituals for his protection. Uh, and then 1401, he passed away 
And the result was Gongman Drakpa Gyeltsen became a staunch supporter of Tsongkhapa's nascent sect. So the kind of question is, so why did uh, they become supporters of Tsongkhapa? And if we look at the secret biography of Namka Gyeltsen, which according to Tupin Jinpa is the first secret biography recorded in Tibet, this work was requested by Tsongkhapa and there are six questions posed to Namka Gyeltsen at the outset. So how Namka Gyeltsen first produced a spirit of enlightenment, how he displayed vast magical powers for the sake of beings, how he produced realization, some prophecies for the future, methods for Tsongkhapa to benefit beings and the continuum of the teachings, and good intelligence for where Tsongkhapa's monastery should be founded. So interestingly, two of these questions relate to Tsongkhapa, and this raises interesting questions about the composition, dissemination, and function of this work. But if we look at some examples, so number four, Namka Gyeltsen asks Vajrapani how many of his disciples will um, perfect their practice. The response comes, Losang Drakpa is beyond all rivals. In the presence of the king of the Shakyas, he produced the supreme mind. He will augment the text of Sutra and Tantra in this field. Transmit migrating from this life, he will go to the abode of Tashida. As the supreme son of Maitreya, Jampal Nyingpo, he will quickly become a Buddha Tathagata. So we see here that Tsongkhapa, who only studied with Namka Gyeltsen for seven months, is prophesied as his unrivaled disciple. And we see again the prophecy for his future life in Tashita. And we have another interesting passage here where Namka Gyeltsen um, tells Tsongkhapa, you are the source of the teachings in the region of I, and since the religious teachings and secular laws in the region of I relies on the teachings and laws of the Pakmodrupas, earlier Gongwang Drakpa Gyeltsenpa had sent to me an official communication in the form of a petition, as well as sending large amounts of brocade cloth and precious gifts. They, re they reported his request, by all means, I ask you to come be my Lama. So as we see here, Namka Gyeltsen is asserting that Tsongkhapa is the source of the teachings in Ö, and that the teachings and laws rely on Gongma Drakpa Gyeltsen. As a result, Namka Gyeltsen and Tsongkhapa engaged in rituals for the Gongma's protection. We also see forms of exaltation of Tsongkhapa in other related works. So in the work, How I Met with Jade Tsongkhapa, uh, one white maiden, Bumo Karmos, uh, says to Namka Gyeltsen, you will have a mutual master-master relationship. The protector Maitreya is coming. So this was a prophecy offered by a white maiden the night before Tsongkhapa's arrival. Uh, the identity of supernatural agents delivering prophecies are often unspecified in this way with a quote, white man or a, a dark yogi occurring in other contexts. But the phrase mutual master-master relationship is an interesting and uncommon one. Indicating again Tsongkhapa's exalted status in relation to Namka Gyeltsen. Also, it is described that at their first meeting, Tsongkhapa and Namka Gyeltsen actually appeared to one another as Manjushri and Vajrapani, respectively. And then in the text's response to Jade Tsongkhapa's queries, Namka Gyeltsen asked, What is the measure of Tsongkhapa's mind? And the reply came, Even I, Vajrapani, am unable to fathom his qualities. And then elsewhere, we see um, further exaltation of Pakmadrupa hierarchs. So this prophecy arose 
the Drogon Pakmadrupa Dorje Gyalpo guided sentient beings by emanating in the form of an ordinary bodhisattva. Most certainly he is a Buddha. Then as long as there are some descendants, Siddhas will arise without interruption. The present Sunam Gyaltsen has a connection with Namka Gyaltsen from India. After passing away, he will go to Sukhavati. Jangtrup Dorje is Chenrezig. So here the Pakmadrupa lineage is exalted, starting with their founding figure, uh, the Drogon Pakmadrupa Dorje Gyalpo, who was most certainly a Buddha. Uh, another Pakmadrupa figure is linked to Namka Gyaltsen from a past life, and another is linked to Chenrezig. And all of these uh, linkages are made via prophecy. And remember this underlined passage at the start here, as it will come up again later. So what am I? So what is my takeaway from from all of this? So we see that in a secret biography requested by Tsongkhapa, Namkal Gelson, who was in his early seventies, revealed via prophecy the exalted nature of the Pakmadrupas, that Tsongkhapa is his preeminent disciple, and that the teachings in Central Tibet depends on both parties. During a political crisis, he recruited Tsongkhapa to assist him in protection rituals for the ruler. And following the Gongma's victory, he and his allies became staunch supporters of Tsongkhapa and his nascent sect. So as a result, Namka Gyaltsen's prophecies carry major weight for the early Geluk tradition, as it was his words and actions that were pivotal in garnering the Gongma's support. So for example, question six was good intelligence for where Tsongkhapa's monastery should be founded. Um, and the answer came on the maybe I think spurs of Wonkuri towards the direction of the Queen's Plateau, limitless monks will gather. What mountain is it? This is explained by Manjushri, a holy object of veneration and basis for accumulating the accumulations for the regions of Utsang, Do, and Kam. All of Ngari, Jang, and Kam will go for refuge. Monastic communities will flourish in the 10 directions. So according to Sorensen and his Hazog, Ganden is located on Drokri. You can see here, I hope, Ganden. Uh, so that's the name Drokri Uche on the northwestern spur of the Wangkur mountain ridge. Wangkuri is named for the coronation of Songsengampo, said to have taken place here. There's also a Tsunmotsel that they mention, the Garden of the Queen, where Kongjo halted on her way to Hwasa. Uh, maybe that's uh, connected to the Tsunmodeng in the prophecy, I'm not sure. Um, but for Gelukpa's invoking King Songtsengampo invokes his legitimacy and authority in central Tibet, uh, something also accomplished by Gelukpa's utilizing prophecies drawn from his famous pillar testament. The mountain is also called Gokpari. Uh, Panchen Sonam Drakpa says he has heard it called this, but he doesn't say why. Uh, one modern explanation states that uh, there's a monk who resides in meditative equipoise on cessation there. And finally, regarding this location, according to Kedrup J's biography at Tsongkhapa, uh, he offered prayers in the presence of the Joa Rinpoche and butter lamps, dreams, and other omens were examined. As a result, it came out from all of them that Drok Ryoche would be good. So, in terms of how the monastery gained its name, it was also via prophecy. So does the name of the monastery possess an auspicious circumstance for its term and meaning? 
And the answer came, departing from this life, you will come into the presence of Maitreya and Tushita and reside there. Therefore, if the name of the monastery also imputes the result in Tushita, aka Ganden, there will be an auspicious circumstance akin to you yourself residing. So really it was the prophetic narrative of Tsongkhapa's next life in Tushita that was the source of the name for Ganden Monastery. So here we're gonna kind of switch gears again uh, to another important topic in the early Geluk tradition, which is the status of Tsongkhapa's disciples. So here we'll examine two prophecies received from Vajrapani. So one question was asked, how many special attendants will Tsongkhapa have? And in terms of his attendance, there will be three especially distinguished ones. And then elsewhere, as regents who uphold your teachings, there will arise many Geshes who attain learning and realization and satisfy you. In particular, seven will arise from Tsong and gather, gather loud, large retinues of Aryas. So rather than the later figuration of the, the Jayab Sesum, Tsongkhapa and his two principal sons, Geltsab and Kedrup, uh, early enumerations involved these three especially distinguished ones. In addition, seven regents from Tsong were prophesied who would become the first seven Ganden Tripas, the holders of the throne of Ganden following Tsongkhapa. So who are these three especially distinguished ones? According to Leichen, uh, to this point, according to my own Lama, Gendundrup, these are the two primary spiritual sons, Gyeltsab and Dotsin, and Lama Jamkarwa. And Lama Jamkarwa is Jampel Chusong, one of the eightfold pure retinue who accompanied Tsongkhapa on his long retreat in Olka. He was a Geshe in Vinyadara from Kyormulung, and he also acted as Lama for many of Tsongkhapa's disciples. Then, according to Panchensanam Drakpa, Geltsab and Dultsin are the two chief spiritual sons. These two plus Jamkarwa are the three superiors who are attendants prophesied by Vajrapani. Kedrup Trije is the sole innermost heart son. But then in the same text later on, he states also as one of the three attendants prophesied by Guhyapati or Vajrapani, Kedrup heard numerous dharmas. So we can see that by 1529, Panchen Drakpa was ambivalent about uh, the status of Kedrup J and this category, first referring to him as a special category of his own, the sole innermost heart son, then later in the same work, actually including him as one of the three. Then Desi states, Panchansanam Drakpa apprehends the two spiritual primary sons of Tsongkhapa as Gyeltsab and Dultsin. Although there are numerous modes of identification, ultimately the three families are one continuum. And this was taught in scripture within the Lekbam Rinpoche. The primary sons are these three, Panchen Gendundrup, the sole servant of Tsongkhapa, who is superior in Senyi and who possessed great kindness, the omniscient Gyeltsab, and the one whose knowledge was unobstructed, the Lord of Activities, the omniscient Kedrup. So Desi attempts to minimize the importance of such rankings by saying the three families are one continuum. The lords of the three families are Avalokiteshvara, Manjushri, and Vajrapani, and they were linked historically to the three disciples of Dramtun with Puchungwa, an emanation of Avalokiteshvara, Potoa, an emanation of Manjushri, and Chengawa, an emanation of Vajrapani. It is unclear whether he is linking Tsongkhapa's three disciples to these three deities explicitly or implicitly. Uh, nevertheless, by this time, Kedrup has fully displaced Lama Jamkarwa, um, and the category of 
three especially distinguished disciples is also completely omitted from all later histories. So this is the last time discussion of it takes place. Um, after this point, the category of the J Yapse Sum tends to take its place. So next, in terms of the lineage of seven Tsongpa Manjugoshas, these are the first seven Gandhantripas following Tsongkhapa. Uh, we have a little material evidence for their importance. For one thing, the location of the reliquary stupas in the Serdungkong at Ganden. This is the temple housing Tsongkhapa's golden stupa. And the reliquary stupas for these seven figures actually have pride of place uh, beside the golden stupa. And elsewhere, Federica Venturi's study of Zingchi Monastery in Olka informs us that uh, part of the nails and other things of these seven were housed at the monastery of Zingchi in Olga. So uh, this indicates that these seven figures were perceived as sacred figures in their own right, beyond their role as upholders of Tsongkhapa's teachings. However, in later histories, this category is only paid lip service, referenced by name, but given little discussion. So emblematic of this is their treatment in Chime Rapye's work of biographies of Tsongkhapa's disciples, in which the category is actually subsumed under the broader category of, quote, eight scholar adepts who augmented the two traditions at the Densa, which simply consists of the first eight Gundantripas, including Jaewon Losang Nima, Tsongkhapa's biological grandnephew. So what's immediately striking about this is that Neringpa's work, which is reliably dated to 1470 based on the colophon and internal evidence, includes figures such as Losang Nima that post-date the state of composition. So one often gets the sense when working with the biographies and histories of the early Gaelic tradition that some type of editorial changes have been made. Uh, as we saw in the earlier conformity between the collected works of Namka Gelsen and Tsongkhapa. However, sometimes the changes are more readily apparent. And this is starkly demonstrated by comparing these two similar passages. And I know, I hope this is legible. I know it might be a little hard to make out. But within Namka Gelsen's secret biography, uh, a series of four questions have been posed. So, number one, what is the measure of the mind of this Losang Drakpa? And the answer came, this Losang Drakpa is a person who has accumulated the two vast accumulations. Even I, Vajrapani, am unable to fathom his qualities. And then number two, when will he become enlightened? The answer came, I will not reveal when he will become enlightened. That will be prophesied by both Manjigosha and Avalokiteshvara. Number three, what Yadam deity cares for him? He is cared for by his special deities, outer and inner goddesses. He is also cared for by the lords of the three families. And number four, where was he born in past lives? What? Um, and then the answer appears there. But if we compare this to the account in Lechen's history, uh, number one, what is the measure of the mind of this Losang Drakpa? Most certainly he is an enlightened one. The one called Jampel Nyingpo has love for all sentient beings and has completed the 10 stages. When will he, he become enlightened? It is most certain he is an enlightened one. What Yidam deity cares for him? Manjigosha is his superior deity and Sarasvati is his karma mudra. So here we see a clear instance where the prophecy attributed to Vajrapani and Namka Gelsen has been modified to support the view that Tsongkhapa was an enlightened being. 
to be fair, it's possible they were citing a now lost work that is no longer included within Namka Geltsin's collected works. But I suspect that's not the case because, uh, for example, Gelukpa historians never actually cite specific texts when they cite uh, the prophecies of Vajrapani. They always refer to it in this sort of vague way shown here, uh, according to Guhyapati's prophecy. So that certainly opens up the possibility that they didn't want to be tied down to a specific work. So earlier I had asked you to remember this underlined verse that described the founder of the Pakmadru lineage, Dorje Gyalpo, as an enlightened being. And then we can compare this to the phrases that occurred in Lechan's text. So we have Ngepa Konar Sangyao, and then Ngepa Konar Tsangyao, and then Ngepa Konar Jangchubo. So it certainly appears to be the case that this phrase was adopted and modified slightly to be used as a prophecy for Tsongkhapa. And then the last uh, thing I'll mention is the case of Dulcin Drakpa Gyaltsen, who I mentioned before was one of the primary uh, sons of Tsongkhapa. So it's interesting, Lechen also reports that Dulcin Drakpa Gyaltsen received the prophecy from Vajrapani and Manjushri via Nanka Gyaltsen Tokten Jampal Gyatso and Lama Umapa. And like the prophecies contained in Namka Gyaltsen and Tsongkhapa's biographies, it contains a wealth of detail on his past lives, a former vow, and his next life as Shiwei Ningpo in Toshita. And this is really striking for a couple of reasons. Uh, for one, that uh, none of Tsongkhapa's other disciples received this level of prophecy, not even Gyaltsabje and Kedrubje. Also, it really seems to mirror uh, what we see in Tsongkhapa's prophecies. For example, uh, the commonality between Shiwei Ningpo and Jampel Ningpo in their next lives in Toshita. Uh, deplorably, Dulcin Drakpa Gelton's biography is no longer extant. Uh, it might contain some clues as to what was going on here. So Dulcin Drakpa Gyaltsen was also a disciple of the 10th abbot of Drikung. And his love of Drikung was so great that it is said that even in death, his, his face looks in the direction of Drikung. And the reason for what I call his downfall here is very terse. It only, Lechen only states that there was a hindrance brought about from his giving Jainong to one with broken Samaya. So, I'm just wondering, I mean, really, this is more of a question than anything else. I'm wondering if there could be a connection between these two facts. Um, so as one kind of semi-related piece of data, Tokjin Jampel Gyatso had reported that he had looked at a Sakya Lamdre text in the context of tantric ethics that alarmed him so much, he hid it in the cliffs. So I'm wondering if there's a similar kind of message going on here uh, related to ethics, related to tantric practice and other traditions. But this is more of a question than anything else. So then the question becomes, so my, why might Lechen have adapted the first prophecy and included this one about Dulcin, Drachpa Gyaltsen? So we can just go over this. So from 1480 to 1518, the Rinpungpa Chagyal Dunya Dorje ruled over large stretches of central Tibet, 
Once defeated, longtime allies of the Gelugpa, the Neupa, and Drakkarpa complied with Rin Rinpungpa wishes, which was seen by Gelugpas as a betrayal. In 1491, the Pakmadrupa Gongma Ngagiwangpo passed away, leaving behind an infant heir. As a result, a Rinpungpa official took charge of the Pakdru capital of Neudongse. And in 1493, the fourth Shamarpa was made abbot of Densetil, taking up both political and religious power as Pakmadrupa Desi. So this was a time period in which the religious influence of the Gelugpa and the political power of their longtime Pakmadrupa allies was slowly being lost to religious and political forces from Tsang. A few years later, Geluk monks were forbidden from participating in the Munlam, Munlam Chenmo for some two decades. So really desperate times were calling for desperate measures. So uh, just to sum up, uh, in a recent article, Paris Sorensen describes forgery and man manipulation of texts as a ubiquitous practice that is well-documented across many ancient medieval cultures. This was also the case in Tibet with prophecies being manufactured and functioning as what he calls a kind of certificate, certifying the sanctity of religious figures and traditions. Uh, tellingly, numerous intergroup disputes use citations of prophecies from the same texts, which often had questionable origins uh, to argue their case. And I mean, just thinking about all these things, I sort of wonder whether rather than a question of forgery that these figures were engaged in the construction of a religious tradition within culturally specific literary guidelines, uh, one of which was the manufacture of prophecy. I'm really, really, I'm just wondering if just because the accusation of prophecy or sorry, a forgery is so uh, kind of offensive for lack of a better word. I just wonder how they might've conceived it. Um, but anyway, this is kind of more of a point for discussion. So using prophecy as a key building block, each stone of Ganden monastery was placed such that in the end, it lay revealed as the pure land of Tsongkhapa itself. Thank you.